This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg You wake up in the morning, you know that you're there. You don't have to touch yourself, you have to look yourself in the mirror. Or hear yourself sing in the shower to know that you're there. <laughs> I'm awake. I. That's your soul. <laughs> Who is that I? It's intangible. But you're more certain of that than anything in the world you touch or taste. So the same thing is with Hashem. Although we can't see Hashem. And unless we're a prophet, we don't hear Hashem speak to us. But we're more certain of the reality of Hashem than we are of anything in the world. And just like the relationship of the body and the soul. What's the body without a soul? corpse, a piece of clay. We should never see, but if you see a, when the soul departs the body, it's hard to believe that there was a soul here once. It's like a, it's like a piece of clay. I mean, you, you can't, uh, when a person is alive, there's a life force. The moment the soul leaves, it's a different reality. It's just a piece of clay. It's nothing there. So that, so this body is soul is nothing without the soul and any movement in the body where does this movement come from it's not the body that moves the body is a piece of clay it's the soul that moves this soul is completely in charge of the body you don't lift a pinky without the soul there's nothing without the soul so if you realize that Hashem is the soul of the world then you realize that any movement in this world, a blade of grass that moves, any movement, any, anything that exists, anything in this world comes from Hashem. Hashem is in charge of the world. Not only Hashem created the world 5,770 years ago, but Hashem runs this world and is in charge of the world and controls the world. Nothing happens in your personal life. No success. Nothing happens in your life without Hashem, without the soul. With all the implications. Therefore, you're going to, your primary focus will be on making sure that your soul is healthy. If you have an issue, of course you have to go to the financial consultant, and of course you have to go to the doctor. But most, simultaneously and most importantly, you have to strengthen your soul. Make sure, make sure your soul is healthy and vibrant. Make sure your relationship with Hashem is healthy and vibrant. You have to talk to the financial in chief, consultant in chief. You have to talk to your employer-in-chief. and so Because the Jew recognizes that God is the soul of the world. And God fills the world, just like the soul fills the body, and the world is truly nullified before God, and is egoless, and all there is is Hashem. This is the level of Mamalikalam, the level where God fills all the worlds. And this is a level which every human being has access to. You don't have to be Jewish. This is the foundation of all religion. This is the foundation of all mysticism. All Eastern mysticism is the recognition that the world is alive. The world is vibrant. The world appears to be fragmented, dead. 
And in, but instead of the Western scientific approach to the world, you have a much deeper approach to the world, the realization that the matter is energy and the world is pulsating and the world is vibrant and everything is interrelated and everything is interconnected and, and there's a soul. and That's mysticism. That's spirituality. That's religion. This is what we call mamalikalam, which comes about through a tremendous symptom contraction and this is not the true picture of reality the true picture of reality what is really going on but what eludes us and we're unaware of unselfconscious of is save of Kalama the primary force and energy behind this world is Hashem's transcendent light and even while it's creating us and sustaining us it remains transcendent it remains unaffected it remains transcendent because the true understanding of creation the body and the soul where the body, the soul encloses itself in the body invests itself in the body expresses itself in the body it's not, this is not an accurate picture of the way God creates the world because the body and the soul although they do become unified absolutely one until they become inseparable. You don't know where the soul ends and the body begins. Every cell of the body is alive. It's transformed by this content. But nevertheless, the body and the soul are separate. When the person, when the soul leaves the body, when the person dies, the body doesn't disappear. The body, it quickly disintegrates. But the body is an entity in itself. And the soul enters the body. And you have to nourish and nurture the body. The true understanding of creation is that the material, the world, existence is a materialization of the the divine energy. It's nothing other than the divine energy. It's the divine energy itself manifesting itself as body. It's the divine energy concentrating itself and creating, transforming itself, so to speak, into the existence. So it's nothing other than the divine energy. It's a materialization of the divine energy. Now this is something that's beyond our grasp. We don't have any physical parable, any parallel where the material is a, is, a, is a materialization of the spiritual, where do, we, where do we see that? This is a divine process. It's a divine phenomenon that the spiritual could materialize. How, do you, how, do you, how does the spiritual material? It's not two separate things. It's nothing other than the materialization of the divine energy. It's one. God is everything and everything is God. There is nothing else. Everything that exists is just the materialization of of a godly energy. That's all it is. This truth, this reality, is what he calls Seva of Kalam. It's beyond us. It's all around us because we can't wrap our mind around it. It's beyond our grasp. The closest we can get, the closest we can relate to, 
is the body-soul connection. That's something we can relate to. That's something that's in our experience. We, we're conscious of it. We're aware of it. We can experience it, and therefore we can extrapolate that the same is true with our relationship to God. And that teaches us plenty. That's the foundation of religion, of spirituality, of mysticism. It helps you realize that there's a reality, there's a God, even though you can't see God. And God runs this world, and God is in charge and control of this world. And the wor- world is pulsating and vibrant. And... But nevertheless, it's still two separate entities. We, we have a glass ceiling. We can't get beyond how God fills all the wounds. A human being can get beyond that. You could be Mother Teresa, you could be Buddha, you could be the most enlightened, the most spiritual human being on earth. Angels can't get beyond that. But a Jew has a Jewish spark, a Jewish soul, a piece of the divine essence, which is rooted in the level of save of Kalam, that God is all-encompassing, that God penetrates our very core and essence, that existence and every detail in existence is nothing other than the materialization of the divine energy. It's not a body to the soul, a separate entity that becomes one and inseparable with its energy. The material is nothing other than a, than a, a materialization of the divine. So it is the divine. So we're, we are absolutely unified within the absolute unity of God. But this is not something we can possibly sense on a conscious level. It eludes us. That's why it's called Seva of Kalam. It's beyond us. It's around us. Not because it's up out there, otherworldly. This is our truth. This is our core. This is our essence. We are one with God. We're nothing other than God. But because we can't sense it, it's totally beyond our grasp. It's totally beyond our reach. That's what we call Seva of Kalam. And this level of godliness is not affected by the tzimtzum. Even when God contracts himself and, and creates a very specific being, an entity with very specific properties and characteristic traits from the inanimate world to the organic world to the animal life to the human life and all the multi-variated species and existences. But nevertheless, God's energy, infinite energy remains untouched and unaffected because everything is nothing other than the divine energy as it's materialized and manifested and materialized in these specific beings but God remains completely untouched and unaffected Hashem has materialized himself so to speak into everything that exists, there's nothing else so God remains himself and God remains alone and God remains completely unaffected now this is something that blows the mind away. This is something that we can't wrap our mind around. We can't grasp that concept. Because we can only think in terms of there's two entities. There's duality. There's a soul and there's a body. There's east and there's west. There's right and there's left. There's up and there's down. There's heaven and earth. We can't think outside the box. Because we are programmed to think the malakalam. That's where God creates us. We're created in the form of, that's how we're wired to think. 
God fills all the worlds. And that's the highest level we can reach. That's our divine potential. That's a human being's divine potential. You can become a righteous Gentile. You can teach the seven, learn the seven Noahide laws. You could be a moral, spiritual, ethical, religious human being. And that's and God doesn't expect anything more because it's humanly impossible to go beyond. There is a glass ceiling. But then there's God's point of view. There's God's perspective. And, and from God's point of view, it's a whole different reality. There are no two entities. There is no duality. All there is is God. Even when God contracts himself, God remains like the light, remains unaffected by that contraction. The light is here. And it's in, in its infinite quality. The contraction is only for us. We don't sense. But from God's point of view, there is no disconnect. There is no darkness. There is no duality. All there is is God. And because a Jew has a piece of the divine essence, that's how we experience reality. We don't experience reality like six billion peoples do. We experience reality the way God experiences reality. That's Jewish faith. We're rooted in God's essence, and therefore we have a different take on life, we have a different take on reality. We see the unity, we see the absolute unity. And that's why it's a Jew's mission. We're charged with a divine mission to connect the entire world, including all six billion human beings, to connect them with the divine. Because it's rooted in our essence. That's how we experience reality. Whether we're conscious of it or not. But that's the truth. That's the reality. Okay, let's learn a little inside. Let us make this more intelligible by means of an example. A further example is needed in order to clarify this paradox. How godliness simultaneously pervades the world and yet remain aloof from it, recycling and encompassing it at this word from above and not being revealed within it. When a person forms an image in his mind of something that he has seen or sees, even though entire entire body and essence that thing, both its exterior and interior and its very core, are completely mirrored in his mind and thought, for he has seen it and is saying it in, in, in its entirety. This is expressed by saying that his mind encompasses that object completely. And just as in the mind frame of reference, so, so too, regarding the perspective of the visualized object. And that thing is enveloped by his mind and thought. But it's not en- encompassed in actual fact, only in the, in the imagination of the man, the man's thought and mind. Since man's thought is limited, he cannot actually encompass the object itself. He only encompasses its image as it exists within his mind. When you see something, you imagine something. When you see something, you see the whole picture. Everything, all at once, simultaneously. So your mind imagines and encompasses the whole, the whole thing, and all its details, the whole thing. Not one detail at a time. And it's all in your mind. In your imagination, you can imagine the whole object. You can imagine something, and you imagine the whole picture. 
in all its details, from beginning, middle to end, the whole thing, inside and out, outside and in. But this is only a parable. Why? Because when you imagine it, it's just in your imagination. You're not actually encompassing the actual thing that you're imagining. It's just you have the ability to imagine a picture, to imagine something. So you have the picture in your mind. So in your mind, you're able, you're able to encompass the whole thing. But in reality, you're not, you're not. This is the closest that we get. But from this, we can understand that Hashem, Hashem, when Hashem thinks of us, Hashem sees us, when He encompasses it, Hashem is not just encompassing us in His imagination, but Hashem's imagination actually encompasses us. God, however, of whom it is written, who my thoughts are not your thoughts, so that it is utterly impossible for us to grasp his thought process. His thoughts and his mind, which know all created beings, encompass each and every created thing from its head, from its highest level to its end, its lowest level, and its inside and very core, all in actual reality, and not as with the thought of mortal man. The Alta Rebbe now gives an example of God's thought and knowledge encompassing a specific object. For example, in the case of the orb of this earth, his knowledge encompasses the entire diameter of the globe of the earth, together with all that is in it and its deepest interior to its lowest depths, all in actual reality. Well, this knowledge constitutes the vitality of the whole, sphere, whole spherical thickness of the earth and its creation, ex nihilo. The whole earth was originally created and continues to be created ex nihilo as a result of God's knowledge of it. Let's take the earth, the lowest of all the elements. Earth, inanimate. So the globe. So the globe exists because... God is thinking of it. God is imagining it at this very moment. And that's the only reason this globe exists. In all its detail, its deepest interior, its lowest depth, the reality of this world exists only in God's mind. So it's God's constant thinking of us, thinking of the world and imagining the world that creates and keeps everything in existence. Now, God's knowledge is infinite, and it's God's knowledge that's creating us, but we can't sense it, because if we were to realize God's knowledge, we would cease to exist. If we were to sense God's knowledge and God's infinite self, then there's no existence. All there is is God. And that's the truth. But then we would cease to exist. The whole dynamic, the whole drama of creation is that we sense ourselves, at least the way we sense ourselves consciously, we sense ourselves as being separate from God. So even if we are religious and mystical and spiritual and we're like a body and a vessel and a vehicle and lead a meaningful life and we're open and we're open to spirituality and open to spiritual truth, but still, we're still a separate entity. We still don't sense the truth. We can sense the truth. Because the truth would totally contradict our whole being. The truth is there is nothing but God. We're not a body to God who is the soul. No. All there is is God. There is nothing else. We're just God's knowledge. That's what we are. We're the materialization of of God's knowledge. That's what we are. And God and His knowledge are one, so His knowledge is infinite. So the truth is nothing changed. 
we are nothing other than God's light and God's knowledge. And it remains infinite. Even now, when God is creating us and He's contracting Himself, God remains and retains that infinite quality. So God remains infinite. But we can't sense it. If we were to sense it, we would cease to be. So there is a glass ceiling, there is a boundary that doesn't allow us to sense that truth, to sense, to sense that reality. All we can sense is the result of the tzimtzum. The result of the tzimtzum is that on a conscious level, on our level, we sense a separation. We sense ourselves as finite beings, as a vessel, as a vehicle, as a body. But the truth is that we are nothing other than the divine knowledge. And it's only because God is aware of us at this moment as we speak and He's thinking about us and imagining us. Exactly, He's exactly what we're seeing here at this moment. He's imagining that light and He's imagining the table and He's imagining those trips and He's imagining everything, every one of us. That's the only reason that we exist right now. Now, that surely doesn't feel that way. We feel very solid and very um, sure of ourselves and the world appears to work on scientific law and everything happens to be mechanical. Everything appears to be very mechanical and very, very structured world and very mechanical world and predictable rules and laws. But that's not an accurate picture. It's a very superficial picture. The only reason that anything exists at this very moment is because God is imagining it at this very moment. God imagines the tree to grow, and that's why the tree grows. Not because scientific law dictates and says mechanically, if you plant a seed, it must grow. Nothing must do anything. There's no proof that anything has to happen. Just because it happened yesterday, just because the sun went, came up yesterday, doesn't mean it has to happen today. We just get used to it, because it happens every day, so we, we get used to it. But the truth is, who says? Why does the sun have to rise? pure miracle, it's because God imagines it. And because God imagines it, that's why it happens. And every moment, every moment of existence, God is reimagining. And God is thinking about us at this very moment. It's a very live, it's dynamic, it's vibrant. And therefore, everything in this world is divine providence. Everything that happens in our life, there, no, there are no accidents. There are no mechanical, technical events. Well, it just happened. There are no external, mechanical ex- events. Everything that happens, there's an innate connection. There's an inherent connection. There's a divine message. Because the only reason anything is happening is because God is imagining it at this very moment. God is imagining us sitting around the table at this very moment. And that's why we're here and that's why we exist. But this is totally beyond our grasp. This eludes us. This is what we call save of kilometers. Beyond our... We don't think in these terms. We can't think in these terms. If we were to think in these terms and... The world as we know it would be a completely different world. To us, the world appears to be very mechanical and very natural and very scientific and very predictable and very external. But nothing could be further than the truth. God is imagining us at this very moment. It's the only reason we exist. And God's imagination is infinite. And therefore, we are, everything that exists is truly infinite. We don't sense that. We can't sense it. 
But that is the, the reality. That is the truth from God's perspective. So the symptom affected us, but it didn't affect God. It affected our take on things, our sense of reality. But it didn't affect Hashem's imagination, Hashem himself. Just like the light remains unaffected by its environment. The light is not affected by its interaction, its environment. The light retains its quality. So to God's infinite light and His imagination, which is infinite, can retains that infinite quality, divine, divine quality. So everything is truly divine. Every, we're nothing other than the materialization of the divine. That's all we are. There is nothing else. But we surely don't sense it at all. Because God contracts Himself and He creates the world, He creates the world in a way that fills all the worlds where there is an interaction between the body and the soul. Where there is a... a um, and that's the way we experience it. Were it not for the world being created through the many powerful contractions which have condensed the light and vitality that is clothed in the orb of the earth so as to animate it and sustain it in its finite and limited status and in the categories of inorganic and vegetable matter alone. Thus, the minute degree of illumination which results from the consuming enables the earth to exist in a finite manner and only in the finitude of inorganic and vegetable matter. Hashem's knowledge, however, it shall presently be explained and circles the earth from above. But since His knowledge is infinite, while the world is finite, it is impossible for this knowledge to pervade the earth, even though this knowledge constitutes the earth's very creation and existence. So because we're created through symptom, and we're created in a very finite, specific matter, and the analogy he uses of the earth, which is the lowest level, is the most finite. There's very little energy. There's very little life. It doesn't even have the life of organic life. There's no movement. A stone can stand still for thousands of years. It only manif- its existence is only manifest by the fact that it exists. There's no other sign of life just the, other than the fact that it exists. So this can come, come about through the tzimtzum. God has contracted himself, concentrated and contracted his light and his infinite light to the minutest level to the slightest level of, of, of manifestation of energy, until there's no manifestation of energy. But the truth is, where does this come from? Where does this come from? It comes from God's imagination. It's the same imagination, the same awareness that creates the angels, the sublime, the spiritual, higher realms. It's the same, imagine, it's the same stuff. The, the stuff that the stone is made out of is the exact same stuff that the angels are made out of. God's imagination. God's infinite light. God's energy. There's nothing else. But we don't sense it. This is a stone and this is an angel. This is a stone and this is organic life and this is animal life and this is human life, imagination, and this is higher life, higher forms of life. But the truth is, everything comes from the infinite very existence because God is imagining us at this very moment so everything that exists from the heaven to the earth from one extreme the highest most exalted extreme to the lowest 
the material, the dense, the concrete, the crass, the coarse, the tangible. It's all the same thing. It all comes from Hashem. Because Hashem is thinking about us at this very moment and is imagining us and is aware of us. If God wanted to destroy the world, what does He have to do? You think He has to explode a, a rig? What does He have to do? A tornado? Tornado? What does God have to do? Think about it. He has to stop. No, He does nothing. He stops thinking and we cease to exist. <laughs> he stops imagining us and we never existed. So God is thinking about us. He's imagining us. We're full-blown out of God's imagination. That's why all those who don't believe in the Bible don't believe in miracles. It, it's, it's, it's nonsense. Well, you don't believe in miracles. Existence is the greatest miracle. We are full-blown out of God's imagination. Oh, the sun rises. Yeah, that really makes sense. I mean, that really makes sense. What, what makes sense about it? There's nothing that makes sense about it. That we exist makes no sense. We are full-blown out of God's imagination. So God could imagine the earth to exist, but he can't imagine the sea splitting. Hmm, interesting. I mean, oh, God could only imagine that the world is to be billions of years old and has to call us, needs billions of years for it, for it to develop. Really, why can't God imagine out of God's full-blown imagination, so to speak? And suddenly there's a world and, and Adam and Chava, and he's, he's a full adult, a mature adult. And it's interesting, according to everyone, human history is only a few thousand years old. Oh, so let's get this straight. Billions of years the world exists, and suddenly, overnight, suddenly we have human history. If you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. And why hasn't anyone found any, any uh, links? Transition. The transition. No one has ever found one yet. According to this major transition, we should have, <laughs> the whole world should have been littered. It's pure nonsense. And we don't need apologetics to explain that a year, a day means a billion years. That's pure apologetics. If you understand creation, the miracle of creation, that we exist because God is imagining us and God is aware of us and God is thinking about us. And we only exist in God's imagination because God is thinking about us. There's nothing else. And God is infinite and His imagination is infinite, His knowledge is infinite, His awareness is infinite. And his, his knowledge is not affected. That's the example he gives. When you imagine something, your knowledge is not affected by what you're imagining. You see it in your, in, the, in your mind's eye, and you see every detail, and you see it from within and from without. But your mind remains unaffected by it. It's your mind that you see it, that you're imagining. So too, God, when God is imagining us and is aware of us, so we exist in God's mind. God's mind remains unaffected. So what are we? What is our substance? The difference is when we imagine something, we're just imagining. When God imagines, He's actually creating. So we are nothing other than what is our substance? The divine imagination, the divine knowledge, the divine awareness. That is our substance. That's who we are. From the angel to the amoeba to the grain of sand, everything. We are nothing other than God's imagination, God's awareness, and God's knowledge, which is infinite, and it retains its infinite quality. It's called the light. It retains. It's not affected by that interaction. So it retains its infinite quality. It remains unaffected. So our substance is nothing other than the infinite divine. Light and energy. 
Now, we can't sense that. If we were to sense that, we would cease to exist. And all there is is God. We're just the materialization of God. There's nothing else. We're not like a body in relation to the soul, which the body and the soul are affected by their interaction. God remains completely unaffected. That's what he calls save of Kalam. That God remains unaffected by the tzimtzum. That even when God contracts himself and creates a finite, tangible world, a world which we sense ourselves, a world in which, a world of duality, where there is a body-soul split, heaven and earth split between heaven and earth, east and west, right and left, right brain, left brain, creative brain and logical brain, science and soul, spirit. There is that split down the middle. That is our glass ceiling. That is our limitation. We operate within this arena, within this theater. We can't think outside the box. You could be the most highly evolved human being. You just can't think outside the box. You could be an angel. You can't think outside this box. An angel is a created being. An angel is not God. You're not allowed to worship an angel. An angel is just a created being. The most spiritual, the most sublime. An angel sits and meditates 24-7. There are angels that have been meditating for the last 5,770 years. No coffee break. Seven days a week. But there's a glass ceiling. We all operate within this world of duality. There's a body and there's a soul. There's higher and there's lower. God is, there's no up and there's no down and there's no higher and there's no lower. There's, there's, there's no, all there is is God. But we can't perceive that. Because by definition, God contracted himself and created a world that's finite. So as we perceive it, it's like that one-way glass. You can see one way, but you can't see the other way. So God can see, but we can't see in. So to us, the world definitely appears to be, we feel like, we feel that duality. We feel separate from God, disconnected from God. We have a relationship with God, we, we, we are a vessel to God, we, we, we become more spiritual, we become more religious, we become more intense and more sublime and more heavenly. But nevertheless, there's still that split. We can't overcome that split, we can't overcome that divide. And that's why God chose the Jewish people. And He charged us with a mission, and He gave us the Torah. Because the Torah is divine revelation. The Torah is not religion, the Torah is not mysticism. The Torah is divine revelation. God revealed Himself. The Torah transcends that duality. The Torah empowers the Jew to bring the absolute unity of God into this world. To reveal, to uncover the truth, to reveal the truth that there is nothing else but God. That we're absolutely unified within the absolute unity of God. There is no duality. All there is is God. When we take a physical object and we write a Torah scroll with it, we take the leather hide of an animal and write a mezuzah with it, we take a physical object and we do a mitzvah with it, the Jew was empowered to transform the material into something divine and God to uncover and to reveal the divine and God. To reveal God's point of view. Torah is God's perspective. It's the ability to see reality, to live life from God's point of view. And to create this world, transform this world into a Torah world. A divine world. That's of course the world of Mashiach. The Torah is the program through which we bring Mashiach. It empowers the Jew to go ahead and bring Mashiach, to bring the divine, the absolute unity of God into this world through the Torah and the Mitzvah. And that's what we've been working on for the last 3,800 years. 
So this is the, what he calls, save of Kalal. Not save of Kalal, meaning that God is elsewhere and around us and beyond us. And something that we don't think about and we just dismiss. No, save of Kalal means the all-encompassing truth which penetrates to our very core and essence. But we can only sense it with our sense of faith. We can only connect with it through our faith, the Jewish faith. Because it's beyond human comprehension. It's beyond angelic comprehension. It's beyond comprehension, period. Because comprehension, by definition, means that there is a duality. I am understanding something else. That's not, that's not reality. It's already not reality. The reality is there is no duality. All there is is Hashem. There isn't even the body and the soul. The body and the soul are, are barely are inseparable. They're so unified. The body is completely egoless, and the body is completely one of, unified with the soul. Every cell of the body is alive, and yet they're not absolutely one. But the truth is that from God's point of view, all there is is God. There's nothing else. All we are, we exist in God's mind. And God's knowledge, and God's awareness, and God's imagination. And this is the foundation of a Jew's belief in divine providence. That every detail that happens in our life, down to the tiniest detail, as the Baal Shem Tev taught, when a leaf falls off the tree, how it falls off the tree, how many times the leaf turns over, where the leaf stops, it's by divine providence. Not just a mechanical event that happens in the middle of a forest. There's a wind, and the tree blows, blows, and the leaves fall off, and that's it. Who cares? No. That leaf falling off that tree. How many times the leaf turns over and where the tree lands up? As the Baal once showed his students, there was a big wind, and the wind blew the leaves, and the leaves covered, covered. Baal showed his students, he lifted up the leaf, and he said, the leaf covered a worm. He said, this worm was baking in the sun. And it cried out to Hashem, I'm baking. And suddenly a wind came, and Hashem made this leaf land right on top of the worm to cover Everything is divine providence, down to the tiniest detail. Nothing in this world is an accident. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Not only what happens to us, what happens to the tiniest, to the amoeba, Every last tiny detail is divine providence because the only reason that it exists, the only reason it occurs, anything happens is because God is thinking about it at this very moment. He's imagining it. And God's imagination penetrates through the very core and essence, just like when we imagine something. We, we imagine the whole in its entirety. So God's imagination encompasses everything in its entirety, down to the last detail. There's nothing that escapes. There's nothing that's not part of God's awareness in God's knowledge. We are just, we exist, we are just the result of God's full-blown imagination. And therefore, anything that happens, is because God is thinking about it. And therefore there's a connection, there's an inherent connection, there's a divine connection, there's a divine message. Not, nothing just happens. This is the fundamental belief of Judaism. That's why a Jew never feels alone, you're never alone. Hashem is with you every step of the way. Everything that happens in your life, every last detail, is by divine power. Miracles, God is with us every step of the way. Not only in earth-shattering moments and earth-shattering occasions, on a Sunday and a Monday and a Tuesday, it's very intimate. God is very intimate with us. He's thinking about us. 
if God can think about us, obviously it has to be important. Whether it's a, it's a grain of grass, a grain of a grain of sand, an amoeba, if God is thinking about it, if God is investing his thought and his imagination and his time, obviously it has to be significant. God is not thinking about something that's not significant. By definition, it's already significant. Everything is significant. Everything is imbued with significance. Those who were tzaddikim, who were righteous, who were holy, were able to see in everything, they were able to discern the divine providence. They were able to discern the divine message. As the Baal Shem Tov said, everything a Jew sees or hears is here to teach you a lesson in life. Because there's a message in everything. There's messages not only in the overt, in the Torah. There's an obvious message Hashem is telling you. Instructions, do this and don't do that. You, could, you can't get a clearer message than that. But everything that you encounter, everything that you see, everything that you hear, there's a message. It's by divine providence. God is sending you a message. There are those tzaddikim who immediately are able to understand the message. And there are those who don't immediately see the message. But the message is there. And we believe that. This is a firm belief in Judaism. Everything that happens in our life, Hashem is with us. Hashem is with us every step of the way. And we can find the infinite and we can find the divine in everything in our life, in every aspect of our life. Not just when we're doing something overtly holy, when we're in the synagogue, or when we're, or when we're praying, or when we're studying Torah. No, as we go about our business, we can find the infinite in every aspect of our life. We can find Hashem in every aspect of our life. And this was a fundamental approach and belief of the Hasidic movement, that the Jew has to discover Hashem in every aspect of your life in your business, in your office, as you go about your daily life, you have to open your eyes to the divine providence, to the messages, divine messages that Hashem is sending us every single moment, every single day. Because if it's happening, it means Hashem is thinking about it. And if Hashem is thinking about it, it's already imbued with significance. It has inner meaning, a divine purpose. This was a very difficult concept for those who were not Hasidim to really wrap their mind around because this was like revolutionary for them that Hashem is sending us messages Hashem is sending us messages it was like uh, the Baal Shem Tov was discussing this with a great rabbi in, East, in Europe and he couldn't, he couldn't accept it what do you mean God is talking to me through, through a non-Jew it doesn't, it doesn't, he couldn't understand that concept at all and um, as they were talking there was a, uh, a non-Jewish wagon driver, taxi driver, wagon driver, and um, his horses got stuck in the mud. It was right next to the synagogue, the Balshamtiv synagogue, this Medrash house of study. So he goes in and he knocks on the door. He says, "Please, could you come out?" He asked the students, "Could you come out and help me get the horse out of the mud?" Or push the wagon out of the mud. So the student said, I'm sorry, we can't. We can't. We can't help you. We can't, we can't do that. We, we don't know anything about horses, about wagons. So the guy turns to them and says, You could, but you don't want to. Baal Shem turned to the rabbi, you see, that's a message that Hashem is sending you. You say you can't understand this concept. But Hashem is sending you a message. You could, but you just don't want to. You don't want to take the effort to 
try to understand this concept. It is a revolutionary concept because you were never exposed to the teachings of Hasidus. You were never exposed to the true understanding that there is no other reality but Hashem. The true understanding of the nature of creation. Hashem creates something from nothing. But if you really applied yourself, just like when you applied yourself to Talmud, before you started learning Talmud, there was also a mystery. You know, someone who's never learned Talmud is like, I'll never understand this stuff. It's, it's so complicated. It's, it's way over my head. But then you make a decision and you apply yourself. And before you know it, the gates of wisdom open. And suddenly it starts making sense. And suddenly you really get into it. What? <laughs> so the same is true with Hasidus. If you'll apply yourself. If you, and if everything is divine providence, how much more so? The fact that Hashem sent the soul of the Balshamta, and He sent the soul of Rabbi Dovber and their students, and the soul of Alter Rebbe and all the seven Rebbe's. Do you need a more, a bigger divine providence than that? That now is the time for every Jew around the world, from the greatest Torah scholars to the simplest. It's a time to learn and engage and study Hasidus and apply your critical thinking and apply your mind to study Hasidus the same way you study a piece of Talmud in depth with a, with a clear understanding, a penetrating understanding till it, it's something that you can absorb and something will click inside, something will make sense to you and you can really wrap your mind around it and internalize and integrate. So, but this is a fundamental belief of Judaism that everything is divine providence because Hashem is creating us each and every moment and we exist in God's mind. God is thinking about us at this very moment. That's the only reason we're here. If God would stop thinking about us, <laughs> we don't exist. We cease to exist. God wants to destroy the world. He doesn't have to do anything. He does nothing, and there is no world. There is no world. There's no sun. There's no you. There's no I. There's nothing. And as if it never existed. But the only reason the world exists is because God is thinking about it. We're full-blown out of God's imagination. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. There's no logic. It's because God wanted it and God decides. And even the laws of nature and the rules of nature is because God wants it. And God is thinking about it at this very moment. That's the only reason you have the rules of nature and laws of nature. Laws of nature don't explain anything. It just, it's a description. The sun rises every day. It doesn't explain. It's a mystery. It's a miracle. Well, why should the sun rise? Who says the sun is going to rise tomorrow just because, just because it has risen the day before and two days before and last? There's no logical, there's nothing compelling. It has to. We just take it for granted because we get used to it. But the truth is, that alone God wants. Because God decides and God wants and God is imagining and is thinking that the sun should rise and the rules of nature. But the truth is, it's all miracle. Everything is a miracle. It's nothing other than the divine. And therefore, for God to perform a miracle, what's the big deal? What, uh, nature is a miracle. We just got used to it, so we forgot that it's a miracle. It's just covered up. The miraculous, the divine, is covered up. It's save of Kalam. It's beyond us. It eludes us. The, the, the divinity and the miracle of existence and the miracle of creation. The astonishing miracle, the astonishing miracle of existence and creation, we forgot about. It's covered up. It eludes us. We look at the world and we're like, what? And we don't realize this is the most astonishing miracle. The fact that the world exists, that we exist, 
rules of nature. But we get so caught up that we don't challenge the whole assumption, the very assumption of existence. We never challenge that assumption. We take it for granted. Existence, it feels for natural. It feels, we feel very comfortable with existence. It feels very natural. It should be, and it always was, and it always will be. But nothing could be further than the truth. There's nothing natural about existence. There's nothing natural about nature. It's the most astonishing miracle. But that's the cover that's the symptom. That's the effect of the symptom of God contracting himself and hiding himself. But the truth is, God himself remains unaffected. Has the mystery changed? It's just as mysterious. It's just as infinite. The whole process is infinite. The whole, the whole existence is, is beyond comprehension. It's the most astonishing miracle. Were we to sense the miracle, we would cease to exist. So to us, the symptom, the effect of a symptom is that we don't sense the miracle. So we're like reduced and we've been reduced to like a cartoon figure. We're blind, deaf, and dumb. We don't sense, we don't see, we don't hear, we don't realize. We're not jumping out of our skin. We're not dancing from joy. We don't sense the divine. We don't sense how intimate Hashem is to us. We don't sense how Hashem is within us and all around us. And to us, the world appears to be very dark, fragmented, materialistic, coarse, crass. But the truth is, nothing can be further than the truth. The world is pulsating with the divine. There is nothing else but the divine. And it's a Jew's mission. We were charged with a mission to reveal the absolute unity of God within this world, to transform this world and make it into a Torah world, into a holy world, into a godly world. I have a question about your example with the, with the leaf. Yes. I thought, maybe I understood it wrong, I thought that with respect to Hashem's um, divine providence, that it would be direct with, with, with Jews, but with, with, with non-Jews and with the rest of the world, that it's, it's indirect. It's only on a conscious level. Like the Rambam writes that the righteous people, there is divine providence in every aspect of their lives in details. But if, if a person is not a righteous person, then the divine providence leaves them and God abandons them, so to speak, to the ways of the world, to the laws of nature. And the Torah speaks of, uh, in, in, uh, along those lines that if Hashem, one of the punishments is one of the curses, that if you'll abandon God, God will abandon you and He'll just allow you to live by the vicissitudes of life. If you're a righteous person, then there's an open, revealed divine providence. God is protecting you and God is watching you almost in a miraculous way. But, but all these statements by Maimonides does not contradict what the Baal Shem Tev taught. Matter of fact, even the great leaders of the Mitnagdim, the opponents of Hasidism, have said, stated publicly, anyone who doesn't believe in the divine providence the way the Balsham Tov has taught is a heretic. Everyone agrees with the Balsham Tov because everything is divine providence. And there's proofs in the Talmud, very clear proofs. But there is overt divine providence and there is covert divine providence. What Maimonides is discussing is when you can see the divine, when you sense the divine. A holy person, you see, you sense the divine. You see how Hashem protects them, how, like Joseph in the Torah. Hashem was watching him. You see how Hashem guided him along and miraculously and suddenly he ends up being the king of the world. You know, you see an open, open revealed miracle after miracle after miracle. That's one level of divine providence. That happens if you're righteous. 
if the, the divine is revealed in your life, if you uncover and reveal the divine spark within you, and you bring it out to a conscious level, then the divine providence in your life will also become conscious. Not only to yourself, but to everyone around you. Everyone will see that you're a miraculous person. Everything that you touch turns to gold, and you see how Hashem is guiding you and helping you and protecting you and is with you every step of the way. Versus if you don't lead a manifestly godly life, then the godliness remains hidden. So the divine providence also remains hidden. But it doesn't change the reality. Everything in this world, down to the tiniest detail, is by divine providence. Because if you understand what creation is, that God is creating us because He's thinking about us, because He's aware of us, at this very moment, so everything is divine providence. The tiniest detail, nothing happens just by itself. Nothing happens by happenstance, circumstantially, mechanically. Everything happens because God is thinking about us. And if God is thinking about us, it has to be very important for God to be thinking about us. And it's imbued with meaning, and there's significance there. Whether you're conscious of it or not, that's another story. And that's our mission, to reveal the divine providence. When a Jew does business, you have to open your eyes and see the divine providence in your business. You read every successful autobiography, there is that element of luck. You know, you were born to the president of the company. (laughs) You (laughs) You were at the right place at the right time. What they call luck. We know better. A Jew opens his eyes. If you open your eyes in business, you see the divine providence. You met, you were there, the right person, the one in a million chance. You met the right person and things just clicked. So a Jew's mission is to open your eyes and to reveal the divine providence. The more you reveal the divine providence, the more it will be manifest in a clear and obvious way. But nothing changes the core of truth. Everything is divine providence down to the tiniest and maybe the tiniest detail there's nothing that happens the slightest movement it can't be there can't be any single movement in this world that's not by divine providence because otherwise we wouldn't exist it's the divine providence it's God's knowledge that he says here that creates us that's what creates us that's what sustains us so everything is meaningful and has an inherent connection a divine connection even if you don't see it immediately or overtly but there is a divine message and a divine purpose in everything that happens in this world everything there's nothing that happens in this world that is not imbued with a divine purpose and a divine meaning and not only the positive as we discussed many times even the negative everything ultimately has a divine purpose nothing just happens in the world this class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project more classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.